0: and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students.
1: Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And good evening, one and all, and welcome to the Tuesday crew. Moshe Golubchik, Brett Hahn, Jack Rabenhorst, and Grant Langlois with you for the next two hours to talk some sports. We're going to talk to Brian Fonseca from New Jersey Advanced Media at about 630 talk some Rutgers basketball but before we get into Rutgers men's basketball with if if Brian in about half an hour let's start with the Rutgers women's basketball team not such a great day for them on Sunday but they have been playing well recently picked up up another conference win against Penn State on Thursday night you know this team Coquise Washington's first season they haven't won so many games but overall I'd say it's a success and from what I hear everyone really loves Coquise Washington
2: I completely agree with you. That's a success, and I mean, you know, the the factor that we always consider here is just how many personnel that that Rutgers women's basketball has. I mean, they only have eight players, so you can only do so much with limited roster spots. But you know, Koki Washington's, like you said, Mo, she's proven to be a likable coach. She's a player's coach, very fiery and passionate. And you know, the, the it's not for a Rutgers' lack of talent. I mean, Kayleen Smigel leading the team in scoring. She's been an incredible buggy getter for him. China Cornwell, I, I, I. I Love the way she plays. She's a nightly double double threat, and Kai Carter as well. The senior, I mean, she's just been she's been doing incredible, doing her thing. Uh, second in, on the team in scoring. So this Rutgers women's team has potential, but definitely, you know, definitely built more toward the future. You know, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on recruiting, but this year they're definitely outperforming expectations. Absolutely,
1: and we've already seen they got one commit for next year in Jillian Herter. but that means that with the graduation of three members of this team you lose Uzawa Sidibe you lose Abby Streeter and you lose Kai Carter so that means that this team is going to be down to six players assuming of course that that excuse me Michael Bates Lafayette Cornwell and Brown all stay
3: what's uh what's funny about them going down to six is that I was actually talking to them a little earlier which I'll get into in a bit um and that interview will air on Sunday but uh they actually need seven to dress or else they either postpone or forfeit the game
1: oh really yeah I and I actually and it's not I miss
3: scholarship dress either for the big Ten other leagues or conferences have like a scholarship seven but the big Ten is just seven dressed
1: and I actually I misspoke um Cassandra Brown is also a senior so oh. they really need to bring in some players next year not KB, <coughs> bro no no but here's the thing I don't know that really any of the players are going to transfer because I think a bit, the, the two big reasons that a player would transfer are playing time or if they don't get along with the coaching staff. And it seems like everybody here loves Coquise Washington, like we've said. Uh, I was speaking to one of the team managers about this last week, and her response when I said something about Coach Washington was, oh, yeah, everyone loves Coach Co. So, like, you know, she's very popular. And the other reason is playing time. And I don't think that anyone on this team – would get more playing time anywhere else. I mean, everyone in this team averages 25, 20 plus minutes a game. I mean, the biggest you know, the biggest loss among those players that's staying obviously would be Kayleen Schmeichel. Kayleen Schmeichel will start next year. She'll play thirty five minutes a game next year. I I can't imagine a scenario where Kayleen Schmeichel transfers. You know, she's she can get everything she wants here, so I don't see much risk of losing your top scorer and I was actually looking at the stats the other day Kayleen Smichael, through I believe it's 22 games now has 375 points already which is very impressive for a freshman who was coming off the bench the first month of the season now granted you know coming off the bench and still playing 20-something minutes a game but you know still impressive and you know Kayleen Smichael averaging I believe 17 points a game now is very impressive for a freshman in a very strong big 10
3: uh well in her last uh 10 starts uh, in specific she's had over 20 points and in the last 10 as well she shot uh i believe three on average made uh three baskets uh from the arch um losing her like you said i don't think that's ever gonna happen um coach kokuis or coach Co, uh i guess that's what they call her um just an amazing person honestly she has an eye for the girls she has uh she knows that this year like we've mentioned is gonna be something where they have to find their footing have to find their personality Absolutely. a lot of teams that are rebuilding that's the classic you got to find what you got to need and then you build from there and Absolutely. she has those she's gonna l- probably lose some but through the end of this year she's gonna be testing people out she's gonna be seeing where they're comfortable with and then they're gonna work up from there so i i actually pretty excited uh, for the coming year.
1: Yeah, and Coquise Washington, just really such a very personable coach. You know, we've seen that, you know, in interviews, you know, before games, or we see it in her post-game press conferences. She's, you know, she's got a lighthearted attitude, you know, I've asked her questions and, you know, she'll crack a joke in her response or, you know, she just, she seems like she's enjoying her time here at Rutgers and... Um, I don't know if any of you guys have paid attention at halftime of any of these games, but I think her daughter is enjoying uh, the spotlight here too. Her, her daughter, I think, is 11 and can hit a half court shot.
3: I have not seen anything at halftime. I, I've I seen her come. Game cl-
1: yet. I've seen her come close to hitting one, but um, Alec told us that she hit one on Sunday in uh, in Indiana. Uh, they did lose that game in Indiana by uh, a
0: decent margin.
1: The
0: score was 91 to
1: 68. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of their... Granted,
0: the losers were 20-1 and coming into that game.
1: Right. But Rutgers was very much in that game. At the end of the first quarter, they were actually up 22-17 to and then just got blown out the rest of the way. We've seen that a lot, though, where they give up huge point totals to strong Big Ten opponents. I mean, that was the story against Maryland. Both times he played them, he gave up 80 points. Against Michigan, he gave up 80 points against Michigan State. He gave up 80 points. You know, Rutgers a lot of these these losses, you know, when they went to Penn State at the end of 2022, they lost nine they put up they gave up 90 points. A lot of these big losses. So with Rutgers women's basketball, the offense can can hold its own. They're averaging about 70 points a game. The thing is their defense needs to keep them in the game to give their offense a chance. I mean, you know, you look at individual defenders, you know, Cassandra Brown and China Cornwell. I mean, China Cornwell averages nearly a double double. And, you know, you can count on China to grab eight to 12 rebounds in a game easily. But she also has, uh, she's in
3: the top 10 of uh, Big Ten blocks as well. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive.
1: As is uh, Antonia Bates. Yep. Antonia I... Bates leads this team in blocks and I believe leads the, leads the, leads the conference among freshmen. I'd have to double check that. But she's averaging over a block a game, you know, we talk a lot about Kayleen Smeichel, but Antonia Bates has really also come into her own as a very strong defender. I talked to assistant coach John Hampton about that last week. He said they're also very happy with the way Antonia Bates has been developing and obviously pretty integral to the end of that Penn State game on Thursday when she fought for control of the ball with half a second left in overtime and then actually ended up getting fouled and got called for a technical because she was standing over a Penn State player and screaming in her face. Which we couldn't see it. I was there with Christian Vasquez. We couldn't see it from where we were sitting, but we saw it on the video and um it was just it was a great moment. And like I said, Anthony Bates doesn't really give you a ton of offensive production in a game, only averages two and a half points, but you know, she's really Holding her own on defense, and like I said, the defense is going to be what keeps this team in games. You know, Kayleen Smichael can get to the to can score from really anywhere on the court. China Cornwell and Cassandra Brown are always a threat for a putback underneath. You know, I mean, they really exploited Penn State's weaknesses. Um, you know, finding, you know, they found China Cornwell under the basket a number of times in that game. So I think it's really the defense that's gonna. That's been their Achilles heel. Like we said, a lot of 80-plus point games allowed by the defense.
2: Yeah, and one other thing I want to note, you know, kind of going back to the Indiana game for a second, and this has kind of been a problem with Rutgers women's basketball all season two is the ability to finish games. I mean, in the four, granted, you know, as Jack over here said, Indiana is the number six team. Now, at the same time, you know, you can't score seven fourth-quarter points and expect to— you know expect to come out victorious especially a game where you were like mo said you started out up five you know the second quarter you gave up 33 it all goes back to the defense there but third quarter third quarter you kept things close only two more points scored by indiana you needed the fourth quarter to really push push forward a a final attempt at trying to win this thing and you put up a seven point stinker i mean it's just something you simply can't do and they were only down 10 going into that fourth quarter yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, that that just further proves that it's a very attainable finish. Now, again, you know, th- th- this is something that this Rutgers team is, you know, they're, they're not, it's not their bread and butter this season. It hasn't been consistently there. It, uh, d- definitely as, you know, as the players get more acclimated to Big Ten competition, the new recruits come in, you know, you're going to see improvement with this Rutgers squad. But for the first year, I mean, it, I'm impressed. I didn't expect anything. The moment I heard the eight players, I'm like, oh boy, we're we're done, we're out. Eight
1: but players and a first-year head coach.
2: Eight, and a first-year head coach. There you go. And it was, you know, it, uh, <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is, excuse me, it, it, it wasn't a recipe for success. But 9-14, and 14, it's not awful. 3-8 in Big Ten, it definitely leaves a lot to be desired, but plenty of improvement to come.
3: For uh, for that game too, I just want to point out. You already said they only got eight players. It's the it's the first year with the coach, but um, and they didn't do as many blocks this game as they have in previous. But they've been killing it. To be fair, like that those first halves, they had a problem at the start of the year. They started figuring it out. They can't finish now, and maybe they'll get there in a minute. But right, you just uh, you I feel like you can see uh what is it the the proof in the pudding but the pudding's not quite made yet if you will
2: oh <laughs> um, my god i like it <laughs> i like, uh, it's I like that that's 100 true it, like
3: kayleen smichael i mean she's fantastic i'm not doing anything against her but i'm pretty sure she's averaging like 30 a game right now maybe higher 30 uh, what
1: uh 30 minutes uh yeah she's averaging 29.8 so yeah, effectively okay, 30. Yeah, she so. Had 30
3: 36 minutes in the game. Yeah,
1: so she yeah. she's got uh the last
3: interview that we aired uh for the game against uh Penn State, uh I I was talking to her with that and she's got that competitive fighting spirit. Um, they came out of the gate against Michigan, I think three games or four games ago, and she was very well. She seemed upset, but I wouldn't say upset as the right word. Uh, and she wanted to get back in that game, and she basically dragged them back in the, the first and second quarter. They still didn't win. But she can't do everything, and I'm not saying that the other team uh, the other members of the team uh, aren't doing anything. Because in the Indiana game, they all got at least two points and two rebounds. Now, is that a lot? No, but it's a, it's a team effort, and you can see it in, in the girls. You can see that they're getting there.
0: It's a lead. It's a leader leadership mentality, right? It's a leadership to kind of like stand behind someone who wants to win games, who wants to come back and and be successful in the program. So it's good that we have her in. The, Good that Absolutely. she's a freshman, too. Yeah. I, mean, I think she's staying. Yeah, I looking think she's back, stay.
1: Looking back at her stats on the season, she's played in, I believe it's 22 games. Of those games, Kayleen Smichael has only put up less than 10 points in four games. The last And the last time she put up less than 10 points was on December 10th against Hampton. So, And that was a mid-major team. Every Big Ten team she has faced, she's put up at least 12 points. Excuse me. Yeah. T- at least at least twelve points against every Big Ten opponent, and even in a game that they get, against Maryland, where they lost by eleven, Kayleen Smichael put up twenty nine points in that game, and you know every game she's just doing some really impressive athletic move to the basket. <coughs> Excuse me, and just really learning to play at a Big Ten level, and I think that's been the difference maker. We came into this season. Expecting you know big scoring from Awa Sidibe, but she's been more in the point guard role. Hasn't been scoring as much this year, but it's really Smeichel who's been taking that over. And Smeichel averaging 17.5 points a game. The next highest average points per game on the team is Sidibe, and she's only got 9.4. So she's almost doubling up Sidibe on a per-game basis.
0: I I completely I completely agree that I mean there, we have some major point scores and the more you're out on the court obviously you're going to score more points but going back to what Brett said I mean defense let up 11, 11 threes right and there's no one no reason why they should do that obviously if defense wise you could score as many points as you want in a game but if you don't they're going to answer back right and that's why they put up ninety one points so 11 threes, granted they're a really good team really good basketball team but back to the defense both both sides of the court need to be addressed and uh i
1: i'm glad that they they just have some things to iron out just have some wrinkles to iron out absolutely a couple of things to iron out but you know we kind of expected that this season a little bit of rebuilding year uh let's transition now over to the other side of the ball Rutgers men's basketball uh sorry one more note Rutgers women's basketball their next game is this sunday as they host wisconsin at 2 p.m Myself and Max Sanchez will have that for you starting at 145. But let's go to Rutgers men's basketball. They suffered the big loss, (coughs) excuse me, the big loss on Sunday to Iowa. And we'll talk to Brian Fonseca in about 10 minutes. But Rutgers, it's been a little bit of an up and down season. They've won some games that they had to win, and they've lost some games that they frankly needed to win also. And it's been an interesting season for them you know I think they've compensated well for the loss of Ron Harper and Geo Baker I think Cam has really excuse me Paul Mulcahy has stepped up as that glue guy and Cam Spencer has helped but there are games where Cam Spencer is just on and there are games where he is not so you never know which Cam Spencer you're gonna get on a given night yeah that's true and Bet you know I was watching the first I was I mean I, I
0: typed it on my phone I was like looking at it and First three minutes, five turnovers, five turnovers. The turnover game, eight, they ended with eighteen turnovers in the game, and they only got to the line. I think maybe ten times or fourteen times, fourteen times making ten. So, you know, the foul, foul trouble. I think Iowa went to the line. I would have to, I have to check that. But the turnovers, it's just, it's rough. I mean, you can't do that with a team that is you're. They came in as, as equals, right? Iowa, you know, you're going to Iowa thinking that you could you could take down these teams. We've taken you know, Rutgers men's basketball has taken down teams like that. They went into Purdue just this year and they took it on the number one seed. So I don't know, I just think that I mean I, I understand that um that addressed it after after the game in his postgame interview. Uh, he said that, you know, you just don't win basketball games giving eighteen
2: turnovers. I wanna add on to your point real quick that Iowa had 34 for three throws for the game, right? First off, it's a lot of free throws. It second, is. Second of all, you know, that that just speaks to the foul trouble that Rutgers got in all game, and that's something that sometimes has played this men's basketball team is foul trouble. I mean, it, it, it's a little less pertinent this season as it was the season prior, but you still got glimpses of it, and for for Rutgers, you know, to go off of your point, Jack, about the tale of, or I'm sorry, it was Mo who did the, the tale of two Camp Spencers. You know, it's kind of like the tale of two Rutgers teams. I mean, you know, you had like the Seton Hall game where, you know, granted, you know, they they've always had a hard time against Seton Hall, but you're only scoring 43 points, and yeah, then you have games, you know, like this one where you scored 82 and it still didn't matter. Like you lost game, you lost the game, but you scored. 82 points like you know what I mean like this Rutgers offense has shown that when they're when they're hot they're among the best in the conference Absolutely. and then they've also shown that you know you know going back to what Mo said about Ken Spencer they've shown inconsistencies from behind the arc and granted Rutgers doesn't have a lot of knockdown three-point shooters on the team Paul MulKay he's not known for his shooting he's more of a mid-range distributor. He he's the guy who you rely on at the point guard position to get the offense flying. Kyle McConnell, he's not a shooter. He's the best defender in the Big Ten, but he's it's like a Tabo Cephalosha, Tony Allen type, where he's you know, he's not gonna kill you from behind the arc. He can do it from time to time. Andre Hyatt, he's gotten a lot better, but I wouldn't call him knockdown just yet. No. And and Cliff Amore, despite you know, despite the, the, the film of him taking three point attempts, you don't want him from behind the arc. No. So the guy who's six foot eleven Shouldn't be shooting threes. He should be
1: posting up and just
2: obliterating other centers. Right, and and and, you know, kind of adding on to what you know what Mo just said, it kind of leads into my next point. That with an offense that's limited from from the perimeter, ball movement has to be a bigger focus. And Rutgers this year, compared to last year, has done an excellent job moving the ball. It's the reason why they've won fourteen games. It's a reason why they're sitting. You know, they're sitting in that bubble to become ranked. They haven't, you know, they were ranked at one point, took that step backwards, but they're still in the conversation. It's because they're doing, they're playing to their strengths. They're still a lockdown defensive team. That's a Steve Heichel identity. And, you know, the addition of Cam Spencer, despite the inconsistencies, he's that spark plug they need. So, you know, you just got to refind your groove.
1: Right. But you mentioned the three-pointers, and they did struggle from three-point in this game against Iowa as well, they only went 6-for-15 from beyond the arc. And in the second half, they had 17 personal fouls. Like, I didn't even know you could have that many fouls in half.
0: That was in the second second half Second only? half.
1: Yeah. They had 25 in the game, 17 wow. in the second half. Wow. Like, at one point at the end of the game, they f- someone got fouled on Iowa. <coughs> and what Dennis Geisler said is, I was in the double bonus, as it feels like they've been for this entire second half.
0: Yeah, it seems like that would be like a double bonus, bonus, bonus,
1: maybe. Yeah, just give them three shots every time. You know, does, doesn't matter what it is—offensive foul, you know, lane violation. Just, no, uh, it was—it's a little much. You, you can't—you can't commit that many fouls and that many turnovers. I mean, twenty-five fouls and eighteen turnovers. You know, like Steve Peichel said on Sunday, you can't win basketball games if you do that.
2: Exactly, and and um, I mean, 17, yeah, 17 fouls is just absolutely crazy. I mean, as a basketball team, you know, the, the the double bonus is so dreaded. Let alone eclipsing that mark and then adding seven fouls on top of that. And like, let's, that's, think about, huh. let's think about let's think about what that means.
1: A double bonus means you've already committed 10 fouls in right. 20 minutes. Like that's that's a lot.
2: Like, yeah. that's too many. <laughs> to I, say I, I agree. I, they,
1: they were
0: averaging just under one foul every minute. Um, if, in that the math, half. if that yeah, math yeah. works out for me, yeah, like, yeah,
1: seventeen thousand twenty minutes is—it's it, is weird <laughs> to me
0: though. Like, but then every—I think only t- only two of the starters on both on both teams, only two of them didn't have double-digit points. And what flew under the radar is that Paul dropped a double-double. He had eleven points, thirteen thirteen assists, 13, a season 13, high too, my uh. Thirteen assists <laughs> and they still didn't win the game. So I mean, <coughs> Iowa was a really good team. They went to the free throw line a little too much obviously and they and you know i A don't little? i don't i don't know their their ranking among um free throw shooting i don't know that ranking but i assume that if they were going there and they were hitting those shots they're they're going to be pretty they're going to be pretty well so i
1: mean they only missed 5 free throws for the game they were 29 of 34 that's 85% which is for the whole team is really impressive i mean no one on this team missed more than two individual free throws and Chris Murray missed two and a couple other guys each missed one like that's that's how you have to dominate from the free throw line frankly I mean Rutgers can't always do that I mean we've seen guys like Cam Spencer and Caleb and Paul Mulcahy be able to connect from the free throw line but there are times where Cliff Amore is getting fouled multiple times a game and going you know one for five or two for seven from the free throw line you can't have that and also expect to score you know a lot of points and win games frankly
0: yeah i i completely agree this Rutgers team has you know going back to brett's thing they were ranked 23 they're on the they're on the verge this is what they've wanted steve Peichel has been aiming at this for his his entire tenure of being here uh he he has faith in this team And as we can see, you know, when they're at home playing at Jersey Mike's, it's, it's roaring there. They feel the energy. They know they can win. It's just the fact that when, you know, push comes to shove, a couple stupid mistakes, the fundamentals get lost in the, like in the whole, like in the whole system. And it just kind of, and you look up at the scoreboard at the end of the game and you're like, what happened? You know what I mean? Like they, they were up, they were really, they were close and then somehow, like you know, they were keeping it like a five, seven-point game, maybe, which isn't. They had it too within, bad. I think they had it within. They were, they were, they were, they were shooting one. back and forth. In, they right, had it within fir- one, in fir- at one point. In the first half, they were going. I think there were five lead changes in this game, and most of those came in the first half. So, you know, just like I said, they they have the ability to win these games. It's just the f- when, when it comes down to it, when you make those stupid fouls, when. Granted, you can't blame the refs if you wanted to, because you could
1: never blame the refs. You
2: can't uh, well, blame. Well, I mean, the refs. you can, but like that. I, in my opinion, the like, refs
0: do, are doing their job, yeah.
1: obviously. But you know, people like to do that. The only time you can really blame the refs is when you have something like the Ohio State game, where the refs blatantly messed it up to the point where the Big Ten had to acknowledge it. Um, but that was true. Yeah, that's true. But then, then at the end of the game, down eleven,
0: those could have easily been that. Those eleven points could have easily been erased if. You know, a couple fouls just weren't there.
1: Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm looking at here with 8.05 left. Dean Reber went one of two from the free throw line. Rutgers was in, was within one with eight minutes to go and ended up losing by 11.
0: That's just, I, Steve Peichel's mm-hmm. always a great coach in those scenarios where, you know, he can get the guys to defend well and put up and put points off the glass. But, I mean, you got to get that, like you said, Mo, you got to get the ball down low. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff is one of the tallest centers in the conference, uh, if not the tallest. Above Zach Eady, I don't know how
1: tall Zach Eady is. Zach Eady is seven foot four.
0: Cliff is six eleven.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I stand corrected then. Um, Paul McKay is one of the biggest forwards and his guards in the Big Ten.
0: We got some tall guys, and I and you know Andre Hyatt. I can see him being you know a a very critical part of this offense going forward because if no one else is going to do it might as well i mean he drained what he drained four threes he dropped 16 points that's that's pretty significant to in his in his uh i don't believe he's a i don't believe he's a starter but um it's it's it it goes it speaks to his to his abilities and the Who's fact that, that they can, uh Andre Hyatt.
1: oh yeah Andre Hyatt. i mean he's their sixth man mm mm-hmm. and Mowat Mag has been getting that start instead but Steve Peichel has been talking recently about how great Andre Hyatt is as a six man said I believe the other day that he thinks Andre Hyatt may be one of the best six men in the big ten. I and don't see
0: a reason why he couldn't start if anything well if if say say someone i mean i mean you could see it going I don't know right. how where where he would fit in on that roster <laughs> because it's a pretty even roster for
1: now, but um yeah, I mean Andre Hyatt just has been playing really well, and you know really earning his minutes, putting up a lot of points. But uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk to New Jersey Advanced Media's Brian Fonseca about more Rutgers men's basketball. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at wrsu.org. But yeah, Brett, uh, in the meantime, we're going to go back to that.
0: Uh, Looking ahead to the Minnesota game uh, here at Jersey Mike's Arena in Piscataway, Uh, really looking forward to that game. It's going to be electric. I think it's a game that we definitely could win.
2: It's a game we should win because they're one and yeah. nine in Big Ten play. They're nine and seven, seven. Thir- seven
0: and thirteen yeah, overall, overall. So, def- so. I, definitely a game that uh, we should beat the socks. I uh, beat the socks off them. And to put it lightly, um, you know, favored by uh, fifteen. It says favored by fifteen points. Wow, so that's uh, that's, <laughs> quite that's of a pretty scary. big spread. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. Uh, especially Jersey so. Mike's, looking forward to that tomorrow, eight thirty. Uh, streamed on big 10 network
1: or here on wrsu and i believe if i'm not mistaken that's alec Redhamel and alex carminati that's gonna be a good booth you don't want to miss that one they're they're gonna have a good time and i think that's going to be a really entertaining game and like we said hopefully this will be a good a good get right game for the scarlet knights and they really need that as they've been as they were coming off that tough loss as we said
2: yeah, and and you know, just yeah, just you know, it's, it's really pivotal as they're entering. You know, they're at a, a, another big time conference game, but uh, we're going to take a quick break as we're trying to figure out the Brian get on, get Brian Fonseca on the phone. But stay tuned here, WRC eighty eight point seven FM New Brunswick online at WRCU. Welcome back to WRSU, Hour One Crew. Brett Hahn, Moshe Globchuk, uh, Jack Ravenhorst and Grant Langua here. Apologize for the technical difficulties, unfortunately, because of issues with our phone, we are not able to get Brian Fonseca on the line to talk Rutgers men's basketball. But Brian, if you're listening, we thank you for your time and and effort, and we're sorry for the technical difficulties that persisted. We're going to pivot to for these last 13 minutes toward Locks of the Week, our weekly gambling session, where we don't, we advise you guys not to take our advice, but if you do, please gamble responsibly. And remember, if it doesn't pan out for you, it's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, gentlemen, that any, any of you guys have a lock that you feel confident about? Uh, I
3: always go hockey, and coming into the all-star break, uh, it's pretty hard to choose between the three. And by pretty hard, I mean it's not. Um, it's Capitals versus Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets are the bottom of the league. Capitals are maybe a little rocky, but... Uh, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a three point five line on goals. Go it over with that, and it's Capitals winning.
2: I like it. I like it. I got one for basketball here. Um, I'm taking. ai was taking a look at the games while you were while you were uh, explaining your hockey block. and we got an interesting matchup going on in Denver. Ten o'clock tonight. We got the Pelicans, uh, who who have been one of the one of the surprise teams in the. Western Conference this season going against the Denver Nuggets at home. Pelicans aren't in favoring this game. The money line is plus ten. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win. So I'm gonna lock in the Pelicans money line at plus two ten.
0: I got a fun one. So Rutgers, Minnesota tomorrow. I got two players each having a double double. Oh Paul Mulcahy, points and assists, like just like he did on Sunday. Okay. Okay. And Cliff Amory points and we re- and rebounds. I think uh it's I don't know the odds. I think it's plus 1 trillion, but I'm I'm taking that all day. Taking that all day. Plus
2: 1 trillion some great odds. Plus odd. 1 trillion. I'm I'm putting <laughs> those everything are, I have on that. Those are quite
1: the
0: odds. Yeah, those are crazy, so. But, uh, two players, two players <laughs> to have two double-double or a uh,
1: double-double each, not two double-doubles. That is a very bold prediction there, Jack. Very bold indeed. What, what you about you, Mo? You got one? Uh I'm stalling for a second because I don't have it quite yet.
0: That's okay. That's okay. Well, it's no but issue.
1: I got it. I got it. Speaking of hockey, Grant, um, I'm a big, you know, I
0: I'm famous from Buffalo. I'm a Sabres guy. Sabres are looking pretty nice. I'm okay. so sorry sure. for you. They're on. They're on the come up. I don't, hey, I, hey, 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 I don't know. Hey, I'm 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 gonna. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna <laughs> I, uh,
1: last year. All right. All right. The all right year before that. We don't need to slander anyone. If teams, uh, If Carm is John listening, Hartnett's
0: I would love here. to be a, a special guest on his show to talk all about my all about the Sabres. From what
3: I've From what I've heard from him, he's pretty open. He he's pretty open. Thursday. Yeah. Thursdays. All right. Maybe I'll give him. Maybe I'll shoot him a
1: text or something. talk. If you're a fan of hockey, tune in to Alex Carmenati five o'clock on Thursdays before crew. But I'm gonna go Rutgers women's basketball lock here. Um,
0: basketball wow. along
1: the same lines as you, Jack, I'm going to go also with two Rutgers players putting up the double-doubles, and I'm going to go pretty safe here. I'm going to go with Kayleen Smichael, and actually, not not Kayleen Smichel, I misspoke. Excuse me, I meant to say Cassandra Brown. Cassandra Brown and China Cornwell, I think both put up points and rebounds, as they often do, so I think Brown and Cornwell with the double-doubles... As Rutgers takes on Wisconsin, Wisconsin is seven 5, seven and fifteen this season. So feeling pretty confident about that, in especially the, with the way China Cornwell's been playing
3: in the conference. They're uh, one loss below, uh, ahead of us, if below us.
1: Uh, one loss. We they're, we're we three have, and eight. They're two and eight. Yeah, that thing. But, uh, let me check if they play this week because Rutgers does not play. They uh, they play earlier in the week. I think they play today. Uh, looking or right now, they're playing tomorrow night versus. A, they're home for Ohio State, mm-hmm. and then they play Rutgers on Sunday. Rutgers going Sunday to Sunday with no games in between. Um, a la the NFL a little bit there.
3: You know, but, I'm surprised. Uh, no, Kai Carter, the heck. I feel like uh, I feel like she's she's due always oh, for a double double, but you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Kai
1: Carter played phenomenally last week against Penn State, and led the team with 17 points. And like I said, Koku's Washington can be really funny sometimes. I don't know if any of you guys watched her post-game presser. Um, before that game, they actually honored Kai Carter for scoring her 1,000th career point. And then in that game, she got her 500th career rebound. And at one point, um, Coach Washington finished answering question and almost as an afterthought went, And just, I want to point out, Kai Carter got her 500th rebound tonight. Put that in your release. Good for, and, Good
0: for her. Congratulations <laughs> but, for listening.
1: Yeah, indeed. But like, it was just like a funny moment for those of us who were in the media room. It was just like a, like I said, Coquese Washington can be kind of lighthearted sometimes in her pressers. Um, but this Rutgers team should have a uh, chance for a get-right win against against Wisconsin on Sunday. I mean, Wisconsin's got some strong scorers as well, but uh, I think Rutgers, I think Rutgers will do well. And
0: it's home too isn't it? On Sunday?
1: It's home. home. and on Sunday. And the leading score for the Badgers is Sarah Williams. She's only putting up 12.8. By contrast, as we said, Kayleen Schmeichel's
0: 17.5. I think girls got a good shot on Sunday. That's what I think. Yeah. Um. So, real quick, boys, uh, before we do anything else. Uh, Super Bowl? Eagles Ooh. Chiefs the Kelsey, in Bowl. Uh, Arizona. I saw a stat today that uh, whoever wins the Super Bowl will have more wins in Glendale than the Arizona Cardinals did at home this year. The Arizona Cardinals only had one win. so And the, and both the Eagles and the Chiefs both had one win, so whoever wins is going to have more that's home wins <laughs> than the actual I'm team that plays there. That's actually one of
1: those underrated wow. stats. Like that's an NFL stat right Like there when the Bills yeah. won ESPN consecutive stat. games in Detroit more recently than the Lions then did. Than the
0: Lions did, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, so what do we, th- we think, Mo? That's a funny stat.
1: Eagles, Chiefs? Uh, I, I I can't bet against Mahomes. I know and, the Eagles have a very high power offense. And do
0: you, do you think, now this is a hot take, this is a hot take now. All right. Do you think that the Eagles had a cupcake walk into the Super Bowl?
1: I mean... Outscoring their opponents, okay. I think 60-something to if you, uh, uh,
3: si- eliminate the fact that they... Loki injured both of the quarterbacks. I was about to say, the 49ers were playing without a
1: quarterback I, yeah. for three quarters of the game. Yeah, that's true. the only cupcake they had was the Giants. Okay, the
2: Giants, yeah. Would they win that 38 a, to 7? <laughs> the 49ers had the best defense coming, in the NFL. That's coming
0: from a Jets fan.
2: No, but, no, no, no. But, but I'm saying. Hey, my Steelers I, I, didn't make the playoffs listen, either. Listen, I'm not saying that as a Jets fan. I, I'm saying that as, a, as an NFL observer, okay, who sees. The first year of a Brian Dable era in which you have a lot of players overperform in, in hey, a good played way. Hey, they really well for in Brian a, Dable. Yeah, and, and it speaks to Brian Dable. It speaks to the talent that the Giants have, and it was used in the right way. It's just, you know, you know, with young pieces like Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, still young, 21 years old, pass rusher. Um, you know, you, you got Saquon on an expiring deal. Daniel Jones finally found his groove. They, they were running... Garbage men at receiver. Okay. I, I, Darius, besides Isaiah Hodgins, who I've come to love and respect, I mean, Darius, they're not true number ones. So the fact that Giants yeah. are able to do what they did was impressive. But yeah. you put it against the Eagles, who have the number two defense. They have Jalen Hurts, AJ, the addition of AJ Brown that made that made, offense incredible. They looked, they looked
0: amazing they in looked, the NFC championship. They yeah. I mean, number one seed for a reason.
2: Yes, the, yeah. obviously I mean, Brock
0: Purdy and that injury, but, you know, just stepping up against the. Regardless of their offensive side of the ball for the Niners, the defensive side was pretty intact, and they yeah. rolled them. I mean, I was looking at them out the halftime. I was like, "Geez, man, this is like Giants all over again." So it was, it was, I mean, it was a fun game to watch because just it was just like you know Eagles points. The whole stadium was erupting, and it was just see. I, it, it's good to see that the you know the birds are back in it. But uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's definitely been interesting. And I think that, I know another re- thing, you know, a lot of Rutgers people might be rooting for the Chiefs for one other reason, and that reason is two words. Isaiah Pacheco. Um, exactly. That's yeah. Isaiah Pacheco has been playing so well. I mean, think about that. He was a seventh-round pick off of, let's face it, a garbage Rutgers team last year that went 5-7 and seven and got obliterated in their bowl game to Wake Forest, and... You know, you don't necessarily expect a whole lot out of a seventh-round running back, but he played extremely well.
0: Yeah, the uh, AFC Championship game, he had 20 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving, uh, and he just he was good overall. So it was, it was good to see a Rutgers alum, and I saw him uh, doing a little locker room dance afterwards. To uh, and it was it was it was a good two good atmospheres in both Philly and Kansas City, and I think you know come. Two Sundays from now, not this Sunday, but come Super Bowl Sunday, it's gonna be a. I think it's gonna be one of the better matches we've seen in a while. I yeah. really, I really think so.
2: No, wow. definitely, and I, 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 I want to go back to your question real quick. You, you, you're asking about who you thought was gonna win the game. I think the Eagles have the more complete team. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but at, I, I, I still think you know, regardless of the depth that the Eagles possess defensively, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs' defensive tackle. He had 15 and a half sacks this season. He's been on a different level in these playoffs. And the Chiefs' defensive performance has gone up drastically because of it. It it was already a much-improved unit from defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo and and what the production that the defense put up last season. But with Chris Jones playing this way, and Mahomes, you know, despite having the ankle injury, still able to sling the ball across the field with relative ease, I don't see a way in which the Chiefs will lose this game.
0: I... I you know I'm I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Pat Mahomes just because of his greatness and everything like that. But I saw I, I saw I saw something in him. Yeah, that last play of the AFC Championship game, he's running out of bounds, gets hit by uh, Osai, and you know the whole uh, the, yeah the whole dr- dramatic um, endeavor that unfolded. But seeing him put the team on his back, bum ankle, runs to try and get that first down, to ultimately get them to the Super Bowl that showed me you know yes he you know he rolls over people left and right but he showed a real leadership passion there and i, I got to give him respect for that
3: so uh he they got uh, a flag for that roughing right or roughing the passer or something yeah it, well it,
0: i think uh it was unsportsmanlike conduct cuz he was already out of bounds oh pat mahomes well. pat, he was running down the right right sideline osai i guess it was like kind of like he wasn't out of bounds cuz he could always like Stop and keep going. You yeah. know what I mean. Stop before the end line. So he's just making sure he's out of bounds. But Mahomes already put his feet down, though. So that was clear. That's true. Right yeah, there it, it there were a lot out, of Halls, but That like one was clear. Uh, Which was a 15-yard penalty, and they were saying that that field goal that brought that won the Chiefs the game only like made it by five yards. So if that penalty didn't occur, technically. In theory, right. could, would have missed the field goal, and it would have went to overtime. Yeah, that,
2: that Harrison Bucker tenth would have been from fifty nine yards out if mm-hmm. they didn't have that penalty. And it would have been a forty five so. yard kick for the win. Yeah. What's his uh, What's
3: his record for field goals, or not field goals, or whatever from the from the field? Is it below from 15? fifty
2: plus, or just in general?
3: Like his personal record yardage
2: wise. If- you know the numbers on that's that. That's a quick Google. I'm right mean, i definitely going to look it up. I'm not a Harrison Bucker stamp, but I'm definitely going to look it up. While you're, uh, Stan, while you're searching
3: up. that up, I have uh, one thing to say and then a hot take before we get to that. Uh, one, uh, I did not know because I did not. I was at Rutgers at the time, and this is my first year. Uh, Michael Burton, fullback, he went to Rutgers. He's on he the did. Chiefs. Uh, he's kind of a, I forget the word, but a traveling man. He was drafted by the Lions, Chicago Bears, Saints, the Redskins, now the Chiefs. Uh, excuse me, the Commanders, now the Chiefs. Um my hot take is uh as much as I kind of dislike the Eagles cuz I'm a Giants fan and I have Eagles friends so I should root for them uh and the the Chiefs not a lot of people like Mahomes but also like him whatever uh I think the Eagles are going to play and this is coming from a hating Philly bias and I'm sorry Philly fans I think they're going to play the first quarter, maybe even the first half, with like a sack-heavy blitz rush to try and make Mahomes' ankle really give out on him so that they can abuse that fact and just win in another cupcake walk kind of way.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a focus of this of this upcoming game. But with that, we're going to take a quick break at the end of Hour 1. Hour 2 on the other side. Keep it locked in at WRSU 88.7 FM and online at WRSU. Dot org.